Hey, welcome back to Crimes and Closets. This is Christy in my closet in St. Louis. And this is Beth in my closet in North Carolina. What's up, Beth? Hey, girl. How's it going? How is it going with you? I'm good. (laughs) Good. Good. Um, It's going really well. One, because my pool is done, people. I know some of you care. Maybe not all of you, but some of you care. I care. <laughs> I want to come visit and swim in that pool. You need it to come visit. Beautiful. We've literally sat next to it every single day, except for this weekend because I went away to Chicago. But as soon as we got home, it was like, unpack the car, let's go sit up by the pool. And everyone was all game. She did so. say that. She was like, what's your plans yeah. for Sunday night recording? Because I'm going to unpack my car and go sit by my pool. It has running. It has fountains. It does. And so there's like running water all the time. That is best life. I know. I th- I find it funny when I send you a picture because I, I probably send one every single day of like That's my true. feet <laughs> by the pool or whatever. And it's like, you must push the button for the live because you're like, I oh, do. <laughs> I hear the fountain. I hear the fountain in the background. <laughs> it's so nice. That running water. I mean, like, that's what we're all here for is like the running water, the noise, the calming noise of running water. And you get that, like, also that blue light that just makes you look super cute in pictures. Oh, yes. Yeah, I don't know. You need to post a picture. I will. I'll post a picture. I may even do my TikTok from there. Mm-hmm. Okay. This week. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We have a TikTok. We do have a TikTok. Has anybody We're not caught up to that yet? It's hilarious. I, s- several <laughs> people have. There's been a lot of views on the ones that we actually have, but we don't do a whole lot. But we need to get more creative with it, which I'm going to work on now that I've, I'm off vacation modes and whatnot. I'm going to think about that stuff. But um, we also, mm, real quick, are going to do a live at the end of this month, right? End of August is when we're doing it, right before Serial Killer September. Okay. No, we're not. Are we doing it? Yes. We said we were going to do a live, didn't we? We did. Eh, Maybe not. Just kidding. Guys, I don't know what I'm talking about. And I'm confusing Beth right now. So, no. What I need to actually tell you guys is that we are going to do, no, this is not a live. We're doing an episode where we're both going to do stories and we need your feedback on what topics we are going to do. So this week we will be posting topics kind of like we did back um, in our anniversary episode and you're going to have to vote for the yeah. topics that you want. There's us an to extra cover. Monday in August is the thing. And so we're going to tag team an episode so Christy's going to tell a story and I'm going to tell a story. We're going to two stories in one episode, but you have to tell us what topic you want us to, to cover. And are we both going to cover the same topic or are we going to do two topics? No, you we're do both going to cover the same topic. Okay. Okay. I was just making sure. I was just making sure. <laughs> just double checking. I think. Because <laughs> clearly right? I said we were doing a live and I'm lying. So I just want to make sure that I got my story straight. <laughs> yeah. So you have to pick a topic and we're going to cover stories on the same topic. So Christy and I are going to be competing for the best story. On one topic. <laughs> now you're going to make it a competition? That's not fair. <laughs> Way to throw that in there. Thanks, Beth. Well, it just okay, depends great. on who goes first. I mean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome. Sweet. Okay, so be on the lookout for those posts this week to vote on your topic. You have to choice. find us on social media. Yes. Yes, you'll have so to So if you us. haven't, why haven't you? Go do that. Right. For real. For real, for real. So anyway, we, that's it, right? That's all we got for everyone right now? That's all the housekeeping I have. What have you been doing? Just swimming in your pool. Swimming in my pool and being in Chicago. And now I'm here with you. <laughs> I'm so glad to see you. I'm glad Happy to see you. Happy Monday too. to all you people. Yes. We may or may not have a crown for you. Uh, I think we do. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. Because uh, this is a doozy of a story. And most likely it's pretty well known, but I just could not help myself with this one. I just had to know more. And I, I also that- think it's funny that we say every single episode, this is a doozy. Yeah, I know. I thought about that as I was yeah. typing it. I'm like, type this a lot. <laughs> Crime has that effect on us, apparently. Yeah, exactly. Good. It's good. It's good. It's not lost yet. Yeah. It's good. Right. Exactly. They're, they're all, all doozies. When it- appalling. When we get to the point where we're like, eh, this is an okay case, then maybe we might want to like take an extended break from 
doing this. We may be on the on the crazy end. Yeah. So, and I know that you have listened to a podcast about this, so you know this story. I am just slightly, I was slightly aware of it and I just, I couldn't help it. I had to like delve in. So the fun part about this was that I got a majority of my information from a book. So I got to read a book and half read, half listen, because I didn't oh, finish it on vacation. This was a vacay thing. Yes. I started it. Well, I started it before vacation, and then I started a little bit during, and I didn't get as far as I thought. And so then I was like, audiobook on the way home. And so <laughs> oh, that's what I did. Is this the one too? I feel like this is funny. You should tell this story, how you were type, you were audio doing notes as yeah, you I were like, listening to the story on flights. And so people were looking at you like, <laughs> no, so this what was me this driving. Thing? I was just dictating into my phone while I was driving. <laughs> like, so oh, mention this. <laughs> Podcaster life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gotta do what you gotta do. So anyway, the book was called Sleep My Child Forever by John Costin. And it was an extremely detailed book. The style was okay. It really wasn't, you know, like a riveting book, but it it was a good read just because it had so much, like it was just very matter of fact, like got all his information or most of his information from police reports and stuff. And he was just like telling it the way it was. There was not a whole lot of like drama because he was just kind of trying to give you two straight. So anyway, um, I couldn't give all of the details. So for those of you that know this case that I may be leaving stuff out and you might get mad at me, I'm sorry. This would be an hour and a half, two hour episode if I did that. And that's just not us. So it's already going to be longer than usual. <laughs> so, Got it. All right. <clears throat> so this is Ellen Booker Boehm. Oh, my gosh. Nutty, nutty lady. Ellen Booker was born on June 9th, 1960. Her father had been married with seven kids and living in Mississippi when he just up and left his family and came to St. Louis. That was why I was interested in this. Oh, my God. Oh, so I did listen to a podcast about this case and said, have you ever heard of this crazy person from St. Louis? And I was like, on my list, on my list. <laughs> <laughs> and I even said I would totally stop listening to this podcast, but I cannot. Yeah, because she's nuts. She's a nut job. So her dad comes to St. Louis and decides to leave his family that is in Mississippi, seven kids, and meets Ellen's mother. They get together and then comes Ellen. During Ellen's senior year in high school, when she was 17, her dad decided to up and leave them and go back to Mississippi. To the and, other family. Yeah, basically. I don't really know if he went officially back. I mean, maybe he did. But a year later, he comes back to St. Louis. So this guy just doesn't know what he wants. Like He's like, let me go back and forth. Um, but not long after he comes back to St. Louis, he ends up in a nursing home and he really – he just dies months later. I think before she even graduates. I don't mean to laugh, but that was funny. But you're like, he just comes back and then he just dies. That's just what – he just dies. He's alcoholic. He's a mess. Like, Oh, just, gosh. Yeah. So – Yeah. That's um, as Ellen is finishing her senior year, she meets a man named Paul Boehm. We all know where this is going. Mm -hmm. Paul was her bus driver, though. Mm -hmm. bus driver and old enough to be her father wait like a city bus driver or a no, like public school, school bus driver oh heavens school bus driver mm -hmm. there yeah. there are rules against that i would imagine yeah. okay. and i think that it's possible they kind of held off but until she graduated she was in her senior year but he was just like enamored with her from the beginning like he thought she was beautiful loved her from the beginning wanted to marry her as soon as she was done with high school okay and but also, let me mention here that Paul is also married at the time with four children in total, two of which were his wife's from a previous marriage, and two were ones they had together. So Paul leaves his wife for this high school senior, essentially, and it seems as though Ellen is just kind of falling into these patterns <clears throat> that her mother had with mm. her dad. I mean, I don't really know it's a pattern that – she fell into, well, I guess. I mean, she chose to go after this married guy, so whatever. Anyway. Gosh, I can only picture my bus driver. <laughs> yeah. No. I, I don't even. Oh, actually, I do remember my bus driver. And yeah, no, that wouldn't happen. Uh -uh. <laughs> so, anyway. So 
Paul, like I said, wants to marry as soon as she graduates high school, but she kind of has other plans. She's like, um, I kind of want to live a little bit. I'm 18. I want to just go and do things that I want to do for a little bit. But then two years later, she's like, all right, let's go ahead and get married. So two days or a few days before her 20th birthday, she marries Paul on June 7th, 1980. The two buy a house in St. Louis using some of the money that Ellen had gotten. Her grandparents who lived in Mississippi, they had passed and left land. And so they sold the land and she had a little bit of money. So they used that. And Paul was a veteran. He had been in Vietnam, I believe. Um, And he got some like veteran administration benefits. So between the two, they were able to buy this house. By 1981, Ellen is pregnant with their first child, who was born in September of 1981. Throughout this story and many other stories that are out there about this, her name is Stacy Ann. They've changed her name because they need to protect her identity because she has survived in this story. And so nobody, I don't think anybody, well, somebody knows her name, but she's called Stacy Ann and everything that I have read. It would be about another four years before they have their second child, Stephen, in September of 1985. And within a month of his birth, Ellen is pregnant again with their third child. So Ellen has a very good friend. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You said a month after he was born, she was pregnant again? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Which I feel like is kind of rare or. Oh, it's not even allowed. Well, that's what, I, yeah, that's what I thought. I mean, clearly, six I've never weeks, ladies. That. Six weeks. Yeah. Right. Well, nope. Within a month, apparently she's Ow, pregnant. Ouch. That's mm-hmm. what I'm going to say about that. Right. Yeah. Well, I think, I think, I think this lady likes sex <laughs> based on the stuff that I've read. So I don't think she lets anything to her, but, but also medical advice. Come on now. Well, okay. Yeah. Fair. Fair. So Ellen and Paul meet. So, okay. So her friend, she has a good friend named Deanne. Ellen and Paul had met Deanne and her husband at a pro wrestling match that they had attended because Ellen loves, and when I say loves, it's, I don't even think I can describe how much she loves professional wrestling enough to you guys. Like obsessed, can't, like she can't get enough, travels all over, has to be like the first one in line to get tickets, like crazy. She loves going to watch these, but Paul wasn't the biggest fan. So when she meets Deanne, who also is the fan of wrestling, not necessarily her husband, they're just like, oh, well, we got something in common. So you can be my best friend. (laughs) (laughs) It's like me and you. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Totally how we met and why we're friends (laughs) for wrestling. (laughs) Or murder, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) So they just start going without their husbands and traveling all around. Um, to watch this wrestling. And as they become closer, they kind of realize that both of their marriages are in trouble. Deanne files for divorce and Ellen stays with Paul basically because she's pregnant and she's like, I've got um, a third kid on the way, but she kind of feels like he's spending less and less time at home. There's a possibility that he may be having an affair. Rightly so for her to think that since he left her or left his first wife her with Mm -hmm. kids. So, So anyway, she was unable to prove that he was cheating until Paul said that he was being treated for an illness that he had been gotten, that he had gotten in Vietnam and would not include Ellen like in any of it, wouldn't bring her to appointments. She wasn't allowed to talk to the doctors, like just kind of like, yeah, I'm going to the doctor all the time, but he had no information to tell her and she couldn't find out any information. And he decided or said that he was going to go stay at the veterans hospital in June of 1986 to receive this treatment. And then I think he said he was going to have to go to like Texas for more treatments for this. But in reality, he was running away with another younger girl. So here we go. We're going with the same patterns here. Oh, Paul. Yeah. Oh, Paul. So in July of 1986, David is born and Paul, you know, who had already run off, shows up at the hospital to seem like, oh, hey, I'm the great dad. I'm here for his birth. But that is the only time that he saw David. Okay. Yeah. Then, Because soon after that, he moves to Kansas City and then on to Tucson, Arizona with the new lady. I think her name is Terry, but it's not even, it doesn't even matter. (laughs) So, so Ellen is left alone with three kids and a house on just her secretarial salary and a wrestling obsession. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So 
Paul never sent a dime. He was supposed to send $105 a week of child support, but he never sent one dime to her. <clears throat> oh, that's gross. I know. He was not he was not a good good dad at all. So between that and Ellen not being very good with money, um, she just her finances become a complete mess. And within two years of Paul leaving, Ellen is filing for bankruptcy and foreclosing on that home that her and Paul had bought. Mm. And she kind of is real sad about that because they'd lived there. Like, I mean, she's from the area and she really liked that home and she thought she'd raise her kids there, but clearly she couldn't keep up with it. So she and the kids are forced to move into an apartment. <clears throat> Ellen also gets a second job at a local pizza place delivering pizzas. Her mom, who do- she doesn't particularly like very much, I don't really know the details to that, but they don't have a good relationship. But, well, she doesn't like her. Her mom is fine with her and helps with the kids. And so that's nice because when she's working, she has free daycare essentially because her mom's watching. But I don't think she's very appreciative of that considering Mm. she doesn't like her very much. Um, Ellen doesn't slow down with her wrestling obsession either. And her and Deanne still travel around and follow their favorites. And Ellen is slightly bit more into it than Deanne because Ellen will write – long and sometimes really intense letters to her favorite wrestlers, basically like trying to get them to sleep with her. Oh my (laughs) God. What? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, she for sure, for sure is very intense person. Um, she would have dated any of them and, or just had a quick roll in the hay, I'm sure, but nothing like that ever happens. She would never roll in the ring. Yeah. Me. Oh yeah. (laughs) Excuse me. She would often lie about some of them being interested in her. She'd like tell her friends, oh, I slept with this one on the road or whatever. And Deanne was kind of like, well, I was always in the room with you. And I don't think that happened. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay. That's crazy. Yeah. People didn't really believe her. Like they kind of knew she was a, you know, more all talks than anything. Um, And she would even try and tell friends that some of there were coworkers of hers that were trying to pursue her. But it was all a lie. She just – she wanted to feel like people wanted her. She wasn't very attractive, I don't think, and maybe slightly overweight and was very just insecure. She would even say the mechanics that were working on her car were trying to sleep with her. Okay. <laughs> hey. Oh, my nope. gosh. Yeah. So she just needed attention, I think, from – Poor baby. Anywhere. Okay. So Ellen becomes more – has her financial issues become bigger and bigger as the days go on, and she gets behind on utility payments. She has bankruptcy payments that are due to the courts that she's failing to give, and she's still going to wrestling matches, and the holidays are quickly approaching. So she's kind of getting a little bit more depressed because she just can't – she can't support the life that she wants, essentially. Mm. And you're underwater. It happens. Yeah. I mean, Yeah. Yeah. So she's just trying to figure out how to survive, and she didn't want to give up on her fun, even though it was bleeding her dry. So after the break, we will find out how Ellen chose to deal with all of the things going wrong with her life. Okay, so we're at Thanksgiving 1988, and Ellen's finances are in bad shape, and she has three little children to take care of. They're doing their best to celebrate the holiday. She cooks a meal, and they spend time together. They even go to look at Christmas night lights that night. They're driving home late, and little David, who's 28 months old, falls asleep in the car on the way home. So needless to say, when they get home, Ellen gets Stacy and Steven to bed, but David is up and ready to go. He's like, I'll just took a nap. Let's go. Mm. <laughs> it's like 10 p.m. Toddlers. Yes. So she lets him up, stay up and watch Knots Landing with her. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. I have. I so, shout out to my sisters who probably watch Knots Landing. <laughs> probably. <laughs> so he lays on the floor to watch, and Ellen ends up calling a friend to talk about their day's festivities. Like, oh, what'd you do for Thanksgiving? Here's what we did, blah, blah, blah. She abruptly gets off the phone, though, saying there's something wrong with David. She notices that his lips are turning blue, so she calls 911. When the paramedics arrive, no one's answering the door because Ellen had left to go like flag down paramedics or like ask for neighbor's help, whatever. But they arrive. They're knocking on the door. No one's answering. Finally, little Stacy answers the door and is like, um, 
my, I think my mom went downstairs. I don't know, but you know, David's in here. So, um, they enter and start working on David and bring him to the hospital. He's there several days, but he never regains consciousness and is oh, being kept no. alive. Oh. I know. <clears throat> Basically by machines. And they do multiple brain scans and there's just no activity. They officially declare him dead on November 26, 1988. Deanne is at the hospital with Ellen most of the time and notices Ellen is you know, pretty calm. She's not all that upset. But and she kind of thinks that's a little bit weird. But like we've said how many times on this, like we don't know how we would act in those situations. Would we be frantic or would we just be like, okay, I can handle. Okay, it. but yes, though. No, I know. But we would be frantic if it was our twenty-eight-month-old child. Exactly. That's what I like. Was my next statement it was going to be like. But it's her kid. And I feel like I know I would be a complete disaster. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so anyway, Deanne writes this off as shock. Like she's she's shocked. She doesn't know how to handle it. <clears throat> Whatever. They rule his death as a crib death. So in other words, SIDS. And he's 28 months old. So I just saw you make a face, and which is what other people I can't think at the time were like, what? Like, isn't he past that age? But it's like four months or something. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it is. Honestly, I I know it's like real early on, but I don't know if back then they didn't know enough about it yet. I don't know. I don't know. But it is questioned and the nurse is like, well, no, it's possible. Like we've had four this year. So maybe not as common, but possible. So who knows? So – Again, she's struggling financially, so Ellen is trying to figure out how am I going to pay for a funeral for my son. Um, thankfully, she works for a company, Arthur Anderson. I'm sure you've heard of that. Yeah? No. No? I don't know why I have. I don't Because you know. live there? <laughs> it's in St. Louis, well, right? I don't think that I know it because it's here. I think I just have heard of it before. So I don't know. Anyways, she works for Arthur Anderson, and they provide a $5,000 death benefit, which she gets – and her co- co-workers at the time collect another $1,000 for Ellen. So she's got a little bit of a relief there. She can, you know, pay for the funeral. Her life goes on after David's death, and she continues to go watch her pro wrestling. I keep mentioning it just because this is how crazy it is that she likes pro wrestling and how crazy she is about it. So I'm just She is literally – that's what she's known for. Yeah. I mean, as much as she is known for the deaths, she is known mm-hmm. for the pro wrestling. Yeah, exactly. So she's still writing crazy letters too. Anyway, about 10 months later in September of 1989, Ellen comes home from work and was unpacking groceries and Stacy had read a book to Stephen, such a cute little or big sister, and he had fallen asleep. So Ellen then helps Stacy get into the bathtub and then she, you know, while she's in there playing, she goes to finish putting the groceries away. Stacy was playing with her Barbies in the tub when all of a sudden Ellen hears her screaming. So she runs towards the bathroom and notices there's something plugged in in the hallway that's going into the bathroom, and it's a hairdryer. And the hairdryer was plugged in and was in the tub with Stacy. So Stacy's being electrocuted while oh she's my in gosh. the bathroom. And she describes it. Stacy describes it as like feeling like something every time she tried to get up that it was pulling her back down, but she didn't know like nobody was there. She just was kept getting pulled back into the water until the. Oh, um, my gosh. Baby. I know. So she unplugs the hairdryer. Stacy gets out. Ellen's yelling at both children because at this point, Stephen's woken up and is in the bathroom as well now And because she's just wondering what happened. Like She's like, what the hell? What's going on? You know, Yelling at both these kids. Neither ch- child knew what had happened because Stacy was in the tub and all of a sudden she's being electrocuted and Stephen just woke up. So That is a get- really long hairdryer cord as well. It is. To yeah. be plugged in in the hallway? Yes. And I cannot I cannot remember this detail because I thought the same thing as I was typing this and I meant to go back and look. But I want to say it was like a 10-foot cord. like, And it was noted that when it was found, it was a ridiculously long cord. Maybe it's not 10 feet, but it was a ridiculously long cord. Like I'm like, my blow dryer has got like, you know, I'm like, I barely can get it. Two feet, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or something. Maybe yeah. even, not even. Yeah. No, it was ridiculously long. So – they get dressed and to, so they can bring Stacy in to get her checked out to the hospital. 
And first they knock on a neighbor's door because apparently the neighbor is a paramedic. And so she's like, well, let me see if he's, you know, got any advice or whatever, but he doesn't answer. And so they just start leaving. But during all of this commotion, another neighbor had like heard it and was like, what's going on? I need to call 911. So clearly it all sounded very frantic and somebody else called the police. So the police show up just as Ellen is leaving with the kids to bring Stacy in. And she kind of explains that to them and is like running out the door and the neighbor then meets the police officer and is like, oh, okay, well, I guess that's what was going on, whatever. So whatever. So it kind of gets dropped. And Stacy goes in um, to talk to doctor or to see the doctors and basically during the ride to the hospital, Ellen tells the kids, Stephen woke up plug the hairdryer into the wall because he thought that you would want to blow dry your Barbie's hairs and hair and he dropped it in. And Stacy was like, well, but Stephen was asleep when I got in the bathtub and she's like insisting, like I read him a book and he fell asleep and I put him in bed. So I don't think he was in there. And she's like, nope, that's what happened. I talked to Stephen. So she's basically like, you need to tell this to the doctors. And that's what they tell the doctors oh at the hospital. Oh my gosh. Okay. So she gets checked out, everything's fine, and gets sent home. And there's really no question about it because they're like, well, this was just an unfortunate accident. Like, brother didn't mean to do it, you know. And, thinking and she's that fine. She she's okay. Yeah, she was fine. <clears throat> yeah. So oh God. Oh my gosh. I know. I know. Cause I mean, that could have I don't know how she survived that. <laughs> like for real. Anyway. Okay. So nine days later. Stephen's celebrating his fourth birthday, and that's on a Friday. On Saturday, she brings the kids to the doctor for their yearly exams, and he gets some vac- vaccines. They're warned, you know, doctors are like, oh, here's the side effects. He might be lethargic. He might have a fever, yada, yada. You know the drill. So he starts vomiting, and he's exhausted. And she's like, calling the doctor. He's vomiting, and he's exhausted. And they're like, well, that's not really, you know, a side effect of it. She's like, well, it must be because this is what's happening. So <clears throat> anyway, he's not feeling much better by Monday. So Ellen decides to take the day off and she calls into work and tells a coworker, quote, the same thing that happened to David is happening to Stephen. And she tells him that she's on the way to the hospital with him, like going to the emergency room. And her coworker's like, what? Like, Okay, he's four now, and so you're saying the same thing's happening. And number one, and I don't know if this is what the coworker was thinking, but in my head, this is why I would be suspicious because it, this is not cell phone time. So she has like stopped what she's doing when Stephen is apparently dying. That's what I was going to say, oh. David. What happened to David was he died. Right. He stopped breathing. So if you think your child has stopped breathing, why are you stopping either – before you've left or on the side of the road at a payphone, wherever you're calling from. No, no. And be like, hey, girl. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so they're kind of like, okay, well, let us know what's going on. So as it turns out, clearly she's lying because nothing's wrong with, with um, Stephen. She's not taking him to the hospital. And in fact, he, you know, he's actually feeling better. She was just like, we're going to spend the day together. But what? decides to tell the coworkers that. I know. So she takes him to get a bean burrito at Taco Bell. And as they're driving back. As one does. Yes. That's what you do when your child is not breathing and you're taking them Oh, to my them. goodness. Um, they drive past the funeral home that David's funeral was in. And so Stephen's like, that's where David was. I want to go see David. So Ellen takes him to the cemetery. And Stephen's super sad, says he misses his brother, and apparently also expresses wanting to be with David again. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I know. Very sad. So after the cemetery visit, Ellen calls work again and lets them know that the hospital didn't find anything wrong with him and sent him home. But now he's not breathing again, and we're on our way back to the hospital. Ellen, what's happening? Exactly. I think this is like the point at which she's like losing her mind. I, I don't know. So they, in fact, go back home, and Stephen lays down to watch some TV while Ellen does some chores around the house. And less than an hour later, Ellen is pounding on a neighbor's door saying Stephen isn't breathing. 
They call 911. This is the pair. Finally, the paramedic that she's been trying to get to help her for so many different times is the one that she con she gets a hold of. And he calls 911 and comes over and he starts working on Steven himself. But he's like, I think he's already gone at this point. Like he's not, hasn't been breathing for a while. Oh no. Yeah. The paramedics get there and bring him in. But less than two hours later, Steven is pronounced dead as well. After Stephen's death, her friends and coworkers start to question things because she doesn't seem to be grieving at all. They never see her cry, and she's just acting like nothing happened. And it's her second kid that has turned up dead. Exactly. Oh, my By babies. Stopping breathing. Like, mm-mm. Um, so a few of her friends actually think her behavior is so strange and this situation so strange that they actually like one of them is friends with a homicide detective. And so they're like, okay, so we got a question for you. What do you think about this? And so this guy starts, you know, looking into it and calling his buddies and trying to figure this out. So then there's also another person that's concerned, not just her friends. And that's the medical examiner that had examined and determined David's cause of death and is now on Stephen's case and is like, "Mm, this is kind of strange that there are two deaths in the same family, seemingly the same causes, less than a year apart. And so he just starts like, okay, wait, now this is a little suspicious because David's, he was like, okay, well, it happened. He stopped breathing, whatever. Now you've got less than a year later, this kid starts testing for anything and everything. I mean, like sending his urine out, blood tests. He's just, and he refuses to rule on the cause of death until he is for sure that he has found something and something can be like medically proven that that's the cause of death. Good for him. Yeah. He was, he was a rock star, this guy. So, and the police were fine with this because they're like, okay, well, we're starting to look into this and we kind of need a little bit of time. So we'd really prefer you not to rule on this, you know, cause of death and like, let's close this case with just the SIDS thing again. When he's four. Right. When he's four. Yeah, exactly. So the ME is looking for genetic issues, drugs, other diseases. He puts an EKG. No, he has EKGs done on Stacy and Ellen to see if there's any like signs of like heart issues that are like could be genetically um, predisposed to. Sent urine samples of his and theirs out to test for toxins. Like maybe there's something in the house. Has a heart monitor on Stacy for a while too to keep an eye on things with her. It was to rule out some specific heart issue that could be, you know, found in siblings, everything comes back negative. And he's just dragging his feet as long as he possibly could. And police start questioning her, but nothing seems out of the ordinary to them. Like they're like both times there's just a scenario that this kid just dies. What? But there's no, cause there's no explanation. Like they, they don't have an explanation for anything. Plus they also have not heard yet of Stacy's incident. You know, it's just like it because it it wasn't reported. You know, there was no report made when that police officer came. When they went to the hospital, she was released as like, okay, everything's fine. This was an accident. So there wasn't anything like in any other report that they would have known about. So she has Stephen buried, but at the time uses a different funeral home than she used for David. And that funeral home was like, well, why aren't you using the other one? Like what happened? And she's like, well, I wasn't happy with certain things that they did. And so they were like, okay, well, I'm going to call them and see, well, what, what happened? What, that, what can we do better for this mom? So, but when they call, they find out, well, it's not because she was unhappy. It's because she never paid the expenses for David's funeral. Oh, they wanted nothing to do with her. (laughs) Yeah. She had the money from the insurance and her coworkers, but she didn't use it. Apparently, she went to like Disney and did some wrestling trips. Not oh my gosh. So the new funeral home made her sign something saying that whatever insurance policies she might have are going to pay them directly. And then, you know, she'll get whatever's left over. And so she does. She signs that. <clears throat> and she has gotten some payouts from Stephen's death. She had several policies out on him and only one wouldn't pay. Yeah. Several. And there oh, was only my. one. Why? Ellen. Mm-hmm. Exactly. There was only one that wouldn't pay out on, on him because they needed a cause of death and that Emmy hadn't signed out on, signed off on anything. So there was one that wouldn't. <clears throat> 
And a couple, so but she does get some money. And a couple weeks after his death, she buys a brand new car with some of that money. Like that's so. That. I'm grossed out. Totally sounds like something a loving mother would do, doesn't it? Ugh. So here's where things are unraveling clearly. I mean, it started to unravel with all those crazy stories she was telling her coworkers the day that she was spending the day with her son. For real. But this is it's really unraveling. They're investigating and looking. Had you at Bean Burrito, Ellen? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, and little details start to come out. <clears throat> the police find out that, as it turns out, in July and or August, well, July and August of 1989, Ellen had started shopping around for insurance policies for both Stacy and Stephen, and she goes to several different companies who do not know that she is getting policies from other places, and she ends up paying premiums for multiple policies for the first month of coverage. And all in all, each of the children is covered with $92,000 worth of life insurance. Lord, in the 80s. In the 80s. Plus whatever her company gave $5,000 or whatever, and then there was another small life insurance policy from like Gerber, I think it was mentioned or something like that. And so it actually ends up rounding out to about $100,000 per kid. And she signs both of these policies in September. And a week later, Stacy's accident in the tub happens. And less than two weeks later, Stephen dies unexpectedly. We see you, Ellen. Yeah. And she only paid for the one month. And people were like kind of asking her, why did you get insurance because she was getting the money and they're like, why did you, I think it was Deanne that was asking, why did you even sign up? And she's like, oh, they were just like free month trials. And I was just going to let it lapse after that. And then they just, he happened to die. So I actually got the money and she's like, I am so disgusted right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should be. She's sickening, sickening. So police also start talking to her friends and coworkers and find out the story that she tells the coworker this day Stephen died. Remember all those lies? Well, she also told the hospital when she got there, finally, when she actually brings him to the hospital, that she was getting ready for work when Stephen stopped breathing. And she also left a message that day for Deanne at work saying that what happened to David happened to Stephen and that he passed overnight. So that's three different stories that she has told about the day that the incident that, you know, Stephen dies. And none of them were actually true because she was with him all day at Taco Bell in the cemetery. So they're like, okay, well, so how many different stories does she have out there? But they still have zero physical or medical evidence that she did anything. But they're convinced something has got to be going wrong. They really cannot find a cause of death for these kids. Okay. No. So in the meantime, the medical examiner – decides he's going to send the reports out and all of the information he's gathered on Stephen to seven other medical specialists all over the U.S. to get their opinions on what they think is the cause of death because he's convinced it's mechanical asphyxiation, which have you heard of that? I'm assuming you're always good with that. (laughs) So it's like if you put something on someone's face. Yeah, or you yeah. sit on them and you crush them. You know, like it, it's just some sort of force that is used that will cause suffocation. So you could be like sitting on their chest and they, you know, lungs collapse or whatever. Like, but yes, it could also be putting something over your face. And apparently, this can sometimes show up in autopsies, but a lot of the times it doesn't. Like, it's just like they just stop breathing and you can't prove that that's what happened unless you find like fibers in their mouth or something in their lungs that they were breathing in as this was happening. And that wasn't like clearly not in the case for Steven. So he sends it out to all those people. All of these other specialists end up agreeing with him and say that that is what happened in the end, that they believe this was mechanical asphyxiation and there was zero chance that it was anything else. So the police now have seven experts saying that it's not sudden death, it's mechanical asphyxiation. Plus the 95 different stories that Ellen has told is not helping her. And all the insurance policies that she took out weeks before, all of this together is like, okay, yep, we've got it. I think we can figure this out and, and charge her. So on September 12th, 1991, two years to the day of Stacy's bathtub accident, 
Ellen pulls out of work and is driving home when she's pulled over by the investigators. And her reaction was to look at them and say, I knew you were going to get me. <gasps> Monster. Mm -hmm. She's brought in and questioned and confesses to everything. She agrees to have a recorded confession and she proceeds to detail everything to them. You know most of the things that occurred. Clearly, two of her children died. But what you don't know is that, and I, because I don't want to repeat everything else over again, but the one thing you don't know is that she, for both David and Stephen, took pillows and smothered them while they were laying there on the floor or the couch watching TV. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then she would just like kind of wait a little bit to make sure, you know, she wouldn't, you know, react or call 911 until a couple minutes later just to make sure that they were gone. So she she says, why she did that? Money? Why? Money, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Know, I mean, but- yeah. She was in trouble and she just couldn't handle everything. And yeah, she needed the money. Um, there was actually another case. I think I, it may be in my notes. So I'll have to skip over it later. But there was another case of a mom, in, like I think just over the border in Illinois at the time who killed their um, daughter and she was on trial and Ellen was like obsessed with this case. And she kept telling people that mother killed her kid for the insurance money, which wasn't the case in that case. But I think that's where her scheming started was when that she saw mm-hmm. that case in the news. I don't know. She doesn't ever admit to throwing the dryer in the tub, but they're hundred, they a hundred percent believe that she did that, but she has still, I think to this day, not said that she has done that. She denies it. Um, but they do search her apartment because they're also like, well, we're convinced that she was probably well on her way to planning Stacy's death when she's already killed Steven. Like that's, that's why they were trying to get her. Cause they're like, we're concerned now for her third child since she already had this accident. And when they um, search her apartment, they find a scope bottle with antifreeze in the bathroom. And so they believe that that's what she was going to use to kill Stacy. That is terrible. That's mm-hmm. a terrible way to die. That's awful. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, I don't know. They they don't know for sure, but that's just what they think. Because why would you have that in a scope bottle? You in would your never. Why would no. you even have antifreeze in your house anyways? Right. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. So. Um. So anyways, after the arrest, a neighbor also comes forward because he remembers when Stacy had her accident. He was, you know, outside in the building somewhere and stated that he – heard he remembers Stacy adamantly saying Stephen was not in the bathroom mom he has nothing to do with this and so that added to everything else they were like okay we're we're charging her so the prosecution decides to charge her with murder in the second degree for David because they believe that when she killed David it was kind of like a spontaneous like he was sitting there she was frustrated she had just started to kind of go into depression and she just was like I'm going to do this. It wasn't planned for months. Didn't have insurance policies out on him. I mean, like extra ones. So they didn't think she had planned this one. But then it was murder in the first degree for Stephen because clearly she's got all these um, insurance policies just weeks before and she's already thinking the wheels are turning. She's got 30 days. Yeah, exactly. Got to get this done. (laughs) Oh my God, that's gross. Yeah. And then they were also going to charge her with assault in the first degree for Stacy, and they're seeking the death penalty. So she spends about 15 months in jail as they gather more evidence. And Ellen goes through several different lawyers during this time, which is also causing the delay because she just kept like, they just kept quitting on her or whatever. They finally set a trial date in March for March of 1993, but then that gets moved one final time to May of 1993. However, they realize that this is going to be a very expensive trial because they have to bring all of those medical specialists in from all over the world, or not world, but U.S. Several of the friends and coworkers and people that they were using as witnesses have moved out of town. And they have more than one victim. Right. They've got three I mean, two murder victims and one assault victim. And so in April of 1993, they offer her a plea deal. They take the death penalty off of the table and they say they will not prosecute the assault charge on Stacy. 
and they will just give her life without the possibility of parole for both of the other charges to be served concurrently. And she agrees. But then, of course, just like every other defendant in the world, she tries to appeal a few times, um, basically saying that she was coerced uh, into giving that statement and that she was denied counsel when she gave that statement. And then also she felt like she had to take the plea deal because she was told that she would automatically get the death penalty if she didn't. And so she was just scared for her life. All of these appeals are denied without any hearings. They're like, bull. (laughs) Nope, not going to happen. God. So she is rotting in a jail here in Missouri, about 80 miles, 88 miles from me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I was curious what the process was to like visit an inmate. And so I actually went through the application process online and submitted it. it. (laughs) I don't think anything's going to come of it though, because when you get to the end of it, it says, you know, thanks for your application, you know, because they have to do a background check on you. Um, If you are approved, the inmates will be responsible for letting you know. Oh, (laughs) And I'm like, what if she does? I mean, are you going to do it? Lying up. Well, but the chances are, I mean, she's going to get this like, because they're going to approve me. I don't have anything in my background that's going to get me denied from going in. So they're going to approve me because they, I mean, unless they're like, they, cause I put under me that I was media, not like family members. So maybe they just don't allow that, but they would approve me based on a background check. And she's just going to get this like letter. Christy Schofield would like to visit you. And she's going to be like, Oh God, she has your name. Oh my God. I know. And that's, that's what I was actually wondering. I'm like, well, does that mean you have to be in like actual contact with this person to say, Hey, I applied, you know, give me a call. Here's my number. Cause I can't imagine that they're just giving like inmates, like phone numbers and addresses. I don't know. (laughs) Um, I will see bated breath here. We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Fingers crossed. (laughs) So anyway, toes and fingers. So that is Ellen Bohm, the crazy psycho lady that killed two of her children and was definitely attempting to kill a third. Speaking of actually poor Stacy, when all this goes down is like 11 and in August of 1993, she is basically like a ward of the state now. Her dad, her grandmother was going to take her, but then she became ill and just was in poor health and ends up dying. And her dad attempted to get custody, but he could not prove. Yeah. Paul. He couldn't prove that he was worthy of having a kid, essentially. And so that just never happened. So no idea what came of her. I hope that she was able to get the help that she needed to move on from this. Although I don't know how you move on from this. I don't know how you move on from your mom killing your brothers and attempting to kill you. Like, I don't know. Doesn't. Who knows? I don't know. So anyway, that's that's the story. Obviously, she has no contact with her mother, Correct or no? No, I don't believe so. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't believe so. Um, I know that at one of the appeals or trials – no, it wasn't a trial. They didn't have a trial. So maybe at one of the hearings, um, Ellen was like, I'm getting out of here soon. I'm tired of being in jail. We'll be back together soon because Stacy was there. Oh, Ellen. Like, Fun fact. Um, Stacy is like a month older than me. Oh, true. Yeah, because she was born literally the same year, one month before me so she would she's turning 40 this year (laughs) oh man really soon so she's grown so hopefully she has yeah like you said moved on and yeah i hope so yeah but that's crazy to think about too that like she's literally our age yeah i know oh that is crazy I, i i'm still thinking that she's a kid clearly i know better than that but in my head like she's still this little girl that that's yeah. a crazy ass mom. What a life, man. I tell you what, that Ellen, mm-hmm. she's a real crazy freak. <laughs> she is. <laughs> I don't think there's anything worse than hurting your kids. I really don't. I mean, no. we, we talk about a lot of really horrific things. We do. Mm-hmm. But a mom, a mom specifically harming her children is like the worst of the worst of the worst. It just yeah. is. Especially babies. Four and 
two. Yeah. For money? I know. Because you want to go watch like your rot. pro wrestling. It's the I, most I, disgusting thing I have ever heard in my entire life. It's just, I, I think I've said gross 18 times during this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we should do another giveaway. How many times does that say gross? It's gross. It's just the nastiest thing ever. We can give away the books that I read because I don't want it in my possession anymore. Anybody want it? Let me know. I'll mail it to you. (laughs) What? You can sign it. What? (laughs) I'll sign it. I'll sign somebody else's book. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You could put like read by. Yeah. (laughs) Read by, Christy. (laughs) Or you could take it with you to the jail. Oh, Ellen sign it. That's gross though. You can't yeah. do that. That's no, gross. I that. I, no. I'm not, I'm not kidding. <laughs> if anybody wants this book to read it, it's yours. I'll 100% mail it to you. Say, I'm done. <laughs> wow. Send us a message. Yep. <laughs> Slide into our DMs. Yeah. yeah. Shoot your shot. <laughs> I was literally just listening to that Liz song earlier. <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks for the story. I have heard it before, but you'd done a good job. <laughs> I hope so. I felt like I was talking a mile a minute. I was like, la, 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 la. <laughs> she's a lot. She's a lot. That, mm-hmm. that was great. Um, and not a suggestion, just a fun story for mm-hmm. you from the St. Louis. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Which is awesome. So let us know what you think guys about this Ellen story. Come find us on all the things and see crazy pictures of this mm-hmm. mom who killed her kids that I can't get over. Yes. Hashtag gross. And if you want the book, send us a message. You never know. Christy may just send it to you. Could be super fun. So um, we hope you keep listening and come back. And we hope you guys are having a great summer and you're not too mad about us about our big break that we took and are having a good August. We have a fun September for you. Mm -hmm. It's fun. So join us for that. And always remember the world is scary. People suck. Hide in your closet.